Tonight, I want to tell you, uh, I'll just go ahead and give you the thought of my message. I believe that we are crowns forged in fire for the great king. I do not believe he is worthy of anything less than a beautiful crown. It is said that we will receive a crown of righteousness when we show up before him. Amen. But we will lay it at his feet. And we need not to remember that. And that needs to be echoed in this generation as much as possible. Because although we know we'll be rewarded in the end by his presence, what about now? And what about what he's rewarded with? I think it's a time and generation where we turn back and give glory to God instead of having our eyes focused on the glory that we will receive. Because when it comes down to it, that's really it really can birth a selfish motive. And we need to protect ourselves from that. Amen. Amen. All right. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. The Lord says, this people comes near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once men, once more, I will astound these people. With wonder upon wonder, the wisdom of the wise will perish and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from me, says the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think who sees us, who will know. For, Lord, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who is formed? He did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter who knows nothing? (laughs) In Isaiah 64. Again, he says this 64, eight. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. You are the clay. Or we are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. We are a crown forged in fire. Tonight's message is casting crowns. We are forged in fire and are being forged in fire. And we need not to forget that. He is making something beautiful out of us. He makes everything glorious. And he will continue to make everything glorious because when it comes to that day that we meet him, he will receive nothing less. And it will be the work of his hands and not ours. Revelations 4.8 says this. I'm going to start here. Each of the four living creatures had six wings that were covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him and live who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, power. For you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. He is holy and has given us a crown, but only to lay at his feet. And what I want to point out to you tonight is that we are that crown. We are that crown. We are something becoming glorious and it's for a great king and he receives nothing less. And if that's the attitude in our heart, every day we wake up, we'll love to be sanctified. We'll love to be created into his image. We'll love to be the clay. Amen. I read an article today and I wanted to point out to you. Anybody heard of uh, Richard Dawkins? Yeah, that's his name. Richard Dawkins. He's a uh, famous scientist, right, um, and also an atheist. And this, this article struck me because it said, the, the heading was, I am a secular Christian. I mean, we want to interpret that. I'm a worldly Christian. How is there such thing? <laughs> right? Dawkins says, I'm a secular Christian. 
after spending many, many years in the position of an antichrist, an opposing threat, or not really a threat, an opposing figure towards the things of God. Here's what it says. Speaking at a literature festival in Wales, in Wales, uh, British atheist Professor Richard Dawkins admitted that while he surely doesn't believe in the supernatural elements of Christianity, he wouldn't mind being called a secular Christian. Dawkins says, I would describe myself as a secular Christian in the same sense as a secular Jew having a feeling for nostalgia or ceremonies. Dawkins says, Dawkins said at uh, Britain's Hell Hay Festival, according to the Telegraph, Dawkins was, Dawkins was responding to an American Christian minister who was part of the audience and told the 73-year-old evolutionary, I can't say that word, evolutionary biologist that he doesn't believe in miracles any longer, but still himself uh, as a Christian. The minister was not identified. Listen to Dawkins' response. But if you don't have the supernatural, Dawkins says, it's not clear to me why you would yourself be a minister. <laughs> Who also calls himself and said he had an angelical upbringing. I mean, the world's calling him out. And I love that. An atheist, secular Christian, yeah, I don't buy it. But let me tell you something. He's right. If you don't have the supernatural, how do you call yourself a Christian? Because the very resurrection was supernatural. The very resurrection was supernatural. And if you don't have signs and wonders following, if you don't have miracles in your life, if you're not going uh, through opposition of court cases and coming out on the other end, if you're not walking through sickness and coming out healed, what are, what is this? We are walking in the supernatural because we're crowns forged in fire. Yeah, we're going to see fire, but glory is uh, come to the great king because of that. And the world is looking in. Atheists are looking in. And says to the man by his own comments, how can you be a minister without the supernatural? You know why you can't see the supernatural? Because you didn't embrace the impossible. And that's where we're at today. And that bothers me. And I want to I speak a little bit on that. Now, I am blessed beyond measure to be around men and women in here that have embraced the impossible. That have seen the supernatural and fall in love with it. And know that it is for us and it is our very life. We are another chapter in the book of Acts and nobody can take that away from us. But what is Christianity accepting today? What are they accepting today? In Psalm 8. Turn with me there, please. Psalms 8 verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory over above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He positioned us as a crown creation because it's one thing to change, to create something, but it's another thing to take the creation crush it, have it reborn again, call it holy and put it in a dark place and keep it holy till the end. That's what he's doing and it gives glory to his name. Amen. It gives glory to his name. In our generation, we see a degrading, a degrading. In the 60s, we've seen the uh, counterculture. Is that what they called it? A counterculture. I believe in our generation, the 21st century, we've seen the corrosion culture. It's corroding. And at some point, it infiltrates the church. But I say for us, no. No. 
if we're a crown that we're going to lay at his feet, we need to polish that crown. We need to put jewels on that crown. We need to make sure that it does not corrode because he won't accept it. He won't accept it. He's coming back for a pure bride, a beautiful crown, and he's worthy. He's worthy of it. In our generation, we see the sinner's prayer. It's leading more to hell than our local bars. Why? Because it promotes salvation without regeneration. Who doesn't love regeneration? You see, how do you love regeneration if you don't know you were born again to be regenerated? Of course, you were equipped in the end. Do you know how? You remember when teachers, when they would either start you from a zero or start you from a hundred percent? Oh, it seems so good when they start you from a hundred percent. And so did Jesus. He gave you a beautiful, shining crown. And now it's your responsibility to hold on to that crown, to shine that crown, to polish that crown, and maybe even give it back to him more beautiful than what he gave it to you. You see, he's giving you this privilege. He didn't, he didn't hand you something that you had to work on, that you had to work to make beautiful. No, he handed you, and you it, and it was beautiful. And in fact, it is you. You see, when I walk each day, I think maybe I'm a vehicle of something that belongs to the Lord. Like the great treasure hidden in a field. Maybe he placed in me a great treasure, my obedience, and he wants, me, he wants to see it laid at his feet one day. Beautiful. You see, you are a beautiful treasure. You're a crown created, formed, and uh, fashioned in his image. But you can put jewels on that. And you are going to lay it at his feet. Did you see the elders in Revelation? The elders in Revelation, they had crowns, yes. But what did they do? (laughs) Jesus says, here's your crown. And they say, no, Lord, it belongs to you. See, a crown is the work of a man's hands. A crown is a legacy. A crown is what you do with what you've been given. And what have you been given? You've been given a soul. You've been given something that you can return to him. And it'll be beautiful and it'll be a glorious day. (laughs) I was speaking to a friend the other day and I said, I believe an unchallenged church will become an impotent church. I believe an unchallenged church will become an impotent church. And I was answered with the typical answer that I figured I would be answered with. And that was balance. Balance. You need the spirit in one hand and knowledge in the other, brother. Be careful. Be careful. And what I said to that was, oh, amen. But it's like we have to go to someone who is sleeping Maybe in in the amnesia and wake them up and wake them up. Challenge them to get up and walk, get up and walk and walk in the spirit and walk in the love and learn what it is to stumble and learn what it is to walk in victory. (laughs) When people say things like radical and crazy and out of your mind, that encourages me. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. I promise you, you're not discouraging me because I won't be discouraged and I won't be dismayed. You know why? Because the word tells me not to. (laughs) You know what an impotent church can produce? Nothing. So why not invite the challenge? Why not invite the challenge? (laughs) I found a beautiful Chinese idiom. Yeah, watch this. I found something. It was called a paper tiger. And I went, what the? Because the Lord spoke to me a couple weeks ago. And he said, a paper crown, a paper crown. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what the world a paper crown is. I've seen them at Burger King, but I don't know what a paper crown is. And as I was studying in the word and I'm just pulling out some ideas in Google, I found something called. A paper tiger. And I went, yes, Lord, that's what you're trying to say to me. This is what the Christian world is accepting these days is a paper tiger. The only thing an unchallenged church, an impotent church can produce is paper crowns. 
Now, let me tell you what a paper crown is. Let me first tell you what a paper tiger is. A paper tiger, by definition, is someone that appears threatening, yet is ineffectual and unable to withstand a challenge. Did you hear that? Have no effect. And when the challenge comes, they are crushed. Is that us? No, no. No. You see, we can't be paper crowns. Much less a paper tiger because we were forged and fashioned in fire and paper crowns burn in fire. But you, my friend, are beautiful crown ordained and ornate. Whatever those words are to lay at his feet. (laughs) Examples of paper crowns. Men and women these days that do not defend when the name of Jesus is defamed. Richard Dawkins, when the name of Jesus is not when it's defamed, no one steps up in a tolerant generation. We will. We do. And God will send the fire and he will send the spirit and it will be like a great wind and it'll rush all over, rush through this nation. And men and women will step up when the fire comes because there's still some that did not bow the knee to Baal. (laughs) A church. Oh, I'm reading an article the other day. 15,000 babies murdered. And you know what their waste was used for? Clean energy. That makes me sick. And anyone that's a son and daughter of God, it should make them sick. And I praise God that we're doing something about it here. And I encourage anybody listening into this message on the camera, do something about it. Step up and embrace the impossible. So that you can see the supernatural. How encouraging is it when we get reports that babies are being saved by walking by being put on a bus just to see the life that's teeming within them. That they turn away and they don't murder their babies. But lives are saved because of that. God's watching every move you make. He's listening to every word said behind closed doors. I promise you he's dancing and stepping up upon his throne because those people walked on that bus, walked out and walked away from that wicked Planned Parenthood. Christians who are afraid to invite the impossible in order to see the supernatural. C.T. Studd said this, let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from this battleground. (laughs) That's a stud. In the Amplified Version, it says, by your steadfastness and patient endurance, you shall win true life of your souls. You know what that indicates to me? That there is potential in us that we have not tapped. That although we're living life, there may be more. I tell you the truth, there there may be more. There's always more with him. So you've seen the supernatural? Praise God. It's a good starting point. Take hold of your souls. There's a potential that God's trying to draw out of you. If you're in here and you know the word of the Lord, but you haven't been baptized in his Holy Ghost to watch that spirit go from within you without saturate you and overflowing everywhere and out of every pore of your body. There's more. (laughs) Take hold. So you shall win the true life of your own souls. Oswald Chambers said this. Many of us prefer to stay at the threshold of the Christian life instead of going on to construct a soul in accordance with the new life God has put within us. We fail because we're ignorant of the way we were created. How were you created? You were created to be formed and fashioned in his image, forged in the fire. You see, once we may have been paper crowns, 
But he did something beautiful. He did something. He crushed it. And in its place, he placed a beautiful crown fit for a beautiful king. That's you. That's you. Don't let it corrode. Don't let it corrode. And guess what? You have the responsibility to place on that jewels for the great king. You see, because the wicked servant went back to the great investor and only gave him back, gave back to him what he was given. But the one who increased it, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, when we come to that point, we all want to hear that, right? We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But what I want to do is I want to go to his feet and I want to go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But look what I gave to you. Look what I have for you. Look what I have for you. You gave me a beautiful crown. But look, through your power and through obedience, I was able to increase it. Receive it, oh, Lord. Receive what I would give to you. You're a great king, beautiful and majestic. Holy is your name. And holy is what you've done in me. Paper tigers. You know what Jesus is not? He's no paper tiger. (laughs) He's no paper tiger. He is a fierce lion. In Revelations, it calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. It tells about all the beauty and majesty in his return and the fire in his eyes. And you know what a paper crown cannot do? It cannot withstand the fire in his eyes. But if what is in you is eternal and not temporal, if what is in you has been formed and fashioned, created by his hand, it will stand the test of that fire. You see, because there's a day coming where every man will give an account while done in the, what he did while done in the body. And the fire will burn away anything that's not of him, anything temporal. But the only thing that will remain is that which is eternal. Hebrews 2.1. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, so that we do not corrode or rust. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation of disobedience received its just judgment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Or six, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and with honor. And you put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is subject to him. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone in bringing many Sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But the one who but the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers, he says. (laughs) Further, he says, here I am. And the children God has given me. In 13, it says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. If we shine like we did at first, if we do not corrode from point A to point B. But we increase from glory to glory by obedience to the divine nature. As we are born again, 
and we give our life to him and we lay down everything that we are for the great majesty and glory. What he does in us is miraculous, supernatural even. He makes us glorious. Let me give you a practical point. My wife, when I was born again, God told me right off the top, here's your reward for accepting the invite. I have given you a crown. I have given you a crown. And this is the work of your hands. If you will do right by another life that I've given you, that I've gave you, it will become something glorious. And it will be for my glory, my glory alone, talking about God. Now, my wife, I tell everybody, is my crown. That means when you see me, if you don't see me with my family, it's not, it's not quite as pretty. You know what I'm saying? It's not quite as glorious. But when you see me with my family, when you see me with my wife, it, you see me in the fullness of what God's doing in my life. And so when I gave my life to him, he imposed on me and put on me a crown. And then he taught me what it was to add jewels to that. As I added one child and then I added another and another And he said, this is the work of your hands, which I've given you to do. Build a crown for me. Make something beautiful that you can lay at my feet. This is your responsibility. Your responsibility is that beautiful crown I handed to you. And you know it was beautiful when I gave it to you. So when you lay it at my feet later on, it better be just as beautiful, if not better. And when we added children to it, it was like jewels on that crown. And I've been able to do that by the glory of God. Not me, but his work. By me every day simply saying, Lord, help me to do what I cannot do. Help me to do what I cannot do. For I have embraced the impossible. See, if you don't embrace the impossible, you'll never see the supernatural. If you don't step into the fire, you'll never be forged into something beautiful. But that's what he's doing in you. Does that encourage you? Does that encourage you to know that there may be fire all around, but it's for the good, but it's to build you up, to form and to fashion you into something beautiful to lay at his feet? It does me. It does me. It really makes sense because I wake up each day and I feel a fire in me and all. And before I long, I'm walking in the world and I fear a fire all around me. And sometimes I'm confused. Is it your fire, Lord? Or is it is it the fire of the world? Is it strange fire? I cannot tell. And the Lord says, trust me. I use it all for good. <laughs> mm. So my wife is my crown, my beautiful one. And my children are my jewels. Check this out. I didn't know they made these anymore. Oh, my wife forbid me from putting it on. And I agree. You know why? Because I'll never be found wearing a paper crown. I will never be found wearing a worthless paper crown. I only want to be found wearing something beautiful because I'm on a journey and every step I take is closer and closer to the one who is forging me in the fire. And when I get to his feet and like the elders, the crown of righteousness that he's put before me, I'm going to lay down at his feet as he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. But holy is you, holy are you, not me, not me. It's a pale comparison. Why? Well, that says on it, Burger King. You know why? Because we don't serve a Burger King. We serve a majestic king. It's not your way right away. It's his way all the time. Anyway. 
You know why? Because this is a worthless crown. It's a paper crown. And it has no effect and no power. Just like the paper tiger, this paper crown has no effect and no power. But you do because you're forged in the fire. Because you're something beautiful and because you belong to the great king. Will we accept a paper crown? No. So many are accepting something far less than what God wants for you. A substandard life, that's the, that's the best prosperity message you're going to get out of me. Do we live substandard? Absolutely. You know why? Because the full measure of his spirit is supernatural. And we only get glimpses of it. But we don't have to. We can live in the supernatural. But you know what you got to do? Embrace the impossible. Live in the fire. Risk something. Give up something. Listen to me. You can give up everything in you that is wrong. But it's hard to give up your rights. Men and women are doctors, lawyers, when they should be pastors, missionaries. They should be sold out for the kingdom. Instead, they chose in their comfort. What will you do? Will you choose to be the crown forged in fire? Or will you be a paper crown? You know what happens to paper crowns? They're crushed. Worth nothing. But not a crown forged for the great king. They cannot stand the challenge because they never invited the impossible. First Corinthians verse 17 in the King James says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Of no effect. Turn with me to Exodus 29. 28. Exodus 28. Exodus 28, 36. What we see here is the ordination of a priest. And he's crowned with something. Aaron steps up. And to Aaron, Moses says, Aaron, God says to Moses, do this with Aaron. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave it. Engrave on it, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. In some translations, it says crown. It is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead and he will bear the guilt involved in the the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate. Wherever their gifts may, whatever their gifts may be, it will be on Aaron's forehead continuously so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. In 39, it says, make the turban of fine linen. And we know what fine linen is. In the Bible, it represents the the righteous acts of the saints. They were crowned with the righteous acts of the saints. And the scripture plays it out further in the New Testament when it says that we we have a crown laid up for us of righteousness. 29 verse 1. This is what you are to do to consecrate them. And I'm going to step you through this instead of reading it. First, they brought a sacrifice. Second, they presented themselves as dirty and in need to be washed. Third, they identified themselves with God. God identified himself with the man by clothing him. And what he clothed him with was righteousness and he crowned him and he sealed him with holiness. Next, he anointed him for the task that he was going to send him to do. And fifth, he gave him sons to help him in the task ahead of him. This is what we are crowned with righteousness and given a job to do. We are given a job to do. And what is it? It's to walk in the divine nature. And what does the divine nature send you through? Fire. 
The divine nature sends you through fire. Why? I love to hear when people say, well, why do, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Forget about it. Jesus said there was none good. It's an empty argument. Jesus was in the flesh and he said, don't call me good. That's an empty argument. But why does good, why does bad things happen to godly people? Okay, that's an argument to have. Because God has all things working for the good of those who love him diligently, seek him, whatever translation you want to pick. Because he's forging you through fire for the glory of his name. It's not about you. It's about him. And he's putting jewels on you. And he's giving you something beautiful. You are the crown creation. You're the crown to sit upon his head. And one day you will lay it at his feet. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll say, yes, Lord, holy is your name. You and you alone are worthy to receive praise, glory and honor. I like this one. Watchman Nee said this. If we do not give God absolute surrender, he can be present, but he cannot be powerful. Oh, what? Are you kidding me? He can be present, but he cannot be powerful. At that point, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, has become a caged lion. You have handcuffed the Holy Ghost in your life. But he has come to set you free, free indeed. And if you'll let him do what he wills in will in you, you will be forged in fire. You will come out on the other end. You will be made beautiful, something made glorious. You will glorify his name. And at the end, you will stand before him and lay something beautiful and worthy of his name at his feet. If I'm not challenged to get up out of this seat and run, I may never know that I'm clumsy. Right? If I don't say, hey, man, you got to get up. You got to get up and do something for God. You got to get up. And all of a sudden I learn that I'm clumsy and I'm falling all over the place. And you say, oh, no, I didn't want to know I'm clumsy. No, God wants you to know you're clumsy because he wants you to know you're weak and in need. He needs to. He needs to send his spirit in to strengthen your feeble knees. Yes, this is why he sends you a challenge. This is why he sends the fire your way so that you can become weak so that he may become strong in you. Send the fire, Lord. The the sensationalists, is that how you say that? They think we're crazy. Praise God. I told you I was encouraged by that name. They say we're crazy because we, we pray, send the fire, send the fire. But they don't know. R.C. Sproul is one of the leading um, voices of that movement. Did you know he was in that charismatic camp for many years? But you know what turned him? Forty prophecies, he counted. Forty prophecies. And none of them came true for him. And at the end of that 40th, one funny, the 40 is the number of testing. He said, well... 40 false prophecies, I guess it's not going to line up. I'm going to move camps. Because he never embraced the impossible to see the supernatural. He sat in his pew and waited for it to come his way. What a paper crown. The fire in Jesus' eyes is going to burn that. I won't be a paper crown. I won't be. And I know that I'm asking to send the fire in order that I won't become that thing. Mm. You know what else? I would never know that I was equipped and powerful if nobody challenged me to the fight. If nobody called me out to the impossible to walk in the fire I would never realize that he who is in me is stronger than he who is in the world. I would never realize that he equipped me to run the race that he put before me. 
But if I embrace the impossible and walk through the fire, all of a sudden something's in me and it's miraculous and it's supernatural and it is God manifest in me. Glory to his name. I am equipped. That encourages me. But you know what? I got to go do something for him. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 10, 7. Proverbs 10, 7. The memory of a righteous man will be a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. You see, blessings are eternal, but flesh is is temporal. And the name of a wicked man is no better than something that will rot. But the memory of the righteous is a legacy that will echo from generation to generation. What is our legacy? You are a crown and you will shine from generation to generation if you serve him who is holy. If you embrace the fire in order that he burns away everything that is temporal, it'll echo through eternity because the only thing that is left in you is eternal. The crown is a testimony, a memory, a legacy of the quality of what you did for Jesus while on this earth. We need to be reminded of that sometimes. That no matter what you do on this earth, the only thing that matters is what you've done for Jesus. The only thing that matters. If at the end of this race, you're going to show up for him in front of his face and his eyes burning with fire. And before you, he's going to rerun your life. Every word, every deed while done in the body, every intention Every motive of heart. What matters is eternal. You see, this makes me eternal minded and so should you be. We must be eternal minded because the only thing that matters on this planet is what we've done for Jesus. Somewhere along the way, the church has come to believe that he'll accept a corroded crown paper crown even crowns that won't survive the fire this generation has brought us the death of many generals in the faith it's brought us many deaths of generals in the faith and with those death there's a torch that must be carried who's going to carry it who's going to carry that torch that fire The great voices are dying off, but others are rising up. There's a void and someone must fill it. Who's going to go for me? You see, the Lord didn't approach Isaiah and say, who would go for me? Isaiah overheard them, overheard the Lord speaking and stepped up and volunteered himself. He volunteered and said, I heard you speaking, Lord. You sent out a voice. And Isaiah said, oh, pick me, pick me, Lord. Take the coal, touch my lips. Here I am. Consecrate me, Lord. Burn me. Take away anything that is temporal so that I will be accepted to you. Voices of the past. We must be voices of the future today. We have been given. David Wilkerson said this. Today's church is content with merely existing until they die. They don't want to risk anything. No, they just want to live to die. David Wilkerson, great voice in the wilderness crying. He's dead. Leonard Ravenhill, a man of prayer. And powerful intercession said this. The Christian has every right to tell God he wants to be a saint. 
He has no right to tell him how to make him one. (laughs) Praise God. He's with Jesus. He left a void for a torch to be picked up. Steve Hill said, we are all under observation. We are all being watched. The life you're living, like it or not, is going to be remembered. What kind of legacy will you leave? Said, my spirit is speaking loud and clear. He has overridden my carnal nature and is raising his voice. We hear it. Now we must receive it and run on with it. C.T. Studd said this. I am getting desperately afraid of going to heaven. For I have had the vision of the shame I shall suffer as I get my first glimpse of the Lord Jesus. His majesty, power and marvelous love for me. Who treated him so merely and shabbily on the earth and acted as though I did him a favor in serving him. (laughs) Now wonder God shall have to wipe away all the tears off the faces for we shall be broken hearted when we see the depth of his love and the shallowness of ours. Now that's a crown shining from generation to generation. That's an encouragement for us to be the same thing. God will not, God will not receive a paper crown. He will receive a holy, pure, blameless bride that lays something beautiful at his feet. I'm going to close out with 2 Corinthians 5. You see the funny thing about a challenge, about the fire, is that I seem like a good person. I seem well and fine as long as you leave me alone. But as soon as you challenge me, as soon as you send the fire, all my sinfulness is exposed. And God wants that because he wants to make you something that is glorious from glory to glory to glory for his glory. Thank you. Second Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's a clear word. Each one of us will stand before him. Some at the judgment, others on the judgment seat. You know what the judgment seat was? In the Greek, it's called the Bema seat. And you have seen it in the Olympics. When the winners stand upon the podium, one here, one here, one here, one here. But you know what? They're all on the winner's podium. One receiving one prize and one receiving the other. We run a race, the good fight of faith. And you want to end up on the bema seat of Christ. You don't want to be a paper crown because they'll be burned. Maybe you'll be a corroded crown, but you don't have to because he's worthy. He's worthy and he has formed and fashioned you into his image. We are not formed and fashioned into the image of the enemy. Do you remember in 1 Peter? 1 Peter, it says that the enemy is like a roaring lion. Remember? It doesn't say he's a lion. He's an imposer. He's a paper tiger. And we were not forged into his image. We were forged and fashioned into the image of the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are a beautiful crown and you were to add jewels to that because one day you're going to lay it at his feet and say, worthy are you, Lord. I want to give you everything that's beautiful. I want to give you the most high, the best of what I have. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Saints, what I walk away from listening to Mike's word is that there's only two kinds of Christians out there. 
Either you're real or you're not real. And what God desires is authenticity. There's only one way to tell somebody is a real Christian. That is not by the external glory. That is by the duration within fire. What he answered for us all, reminded us of what the word says, is the answer to the question, why? Why do we endure such things? Why did I get a flat tire? Why am I going through this right now? And it's encouragement for me. It doesn't matter how long you've ever been in the kingdom, but you have to be reminded the answer to why. So that you can be proven genuine and authentic. So, Ms. Susan, could you pull up 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 9? Now, ladies, I'm sure you enjoy receiving jewelry from your man, right? But how happy are you if a couple of days later it starts turning green on your finger? Or you bring it to that pawn shop a few years later and they tell you that it's not real. Somebody going to get a high heel in the forehead. How much more does God desire authenticity from your life? Come on, we got to think about this message and chew on it. And not for somebody else out there, but let's put it in application here. Because you're sitting in this seat right now because you met somebody who was real. And that's what we have to carry on. So second, or First Peter 1, 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. Here's your answer to why. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving, that's present tense, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You want to know how you're real? Is that your soul is being saved, renewed, healed on a daily basis.